All right. I'm ready. About time. Where the hell have you guys been? I don't know. He's ready. I'm dying out here. Have you lost all your professionalism? Oh, it would seem so. Yeah. How disgusting. Well, it's time for the rules of acquisition. I guess. All right. Hello, and welcome to the rules of acquisition. <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> it's still a podcast, guys. Hey, it's a podcast where we went through every episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and we talked about every single one. And now we're we're talking about your voicemails. That's what this is. We said there'd be a voicemail episode. And maybe you thought there wasn't going to be one because for whatever reason, but there is, and now we're doing it. And who boy? Oh, my, and <laughs> yes, so you know the drill. My name is Wade Bowen. Do I remember the drill? Maybe. Uh, I'm Wade Bowen. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. Hello. And, um, yeah, uh, the last time we did this... We had just finished, and and I wasn't a dad, and so many things have changed. But so yeah, many things, a lot's you're, gone on. Yeah, your, your your life has changed forever. <laughs> yes, that's right. Because we got through every episode of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> no, yeah, yes. <laughs> and some some other shit happened. I guess I don't know. I forget what it was. <laughs> I think I just said it. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, hey, hey you want to do some voicemails? Uh, yeah. Yes. All right. Y'all have any thoughts before we get into this? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm okay. glad that you're listening. You're currently listening on the Rules of Acquisition podcast stream, wherever you get your podcasts. And we just want you to know the Kickers of Elves have a lot of projects coming down the pike, uh, and that you shouldn't unsubscribe because we'll have new stuff being pushed to this stream every week. That's right. We have the Rules of Acquisition remix, which is every episode of the Rules of Acquisition. Uh, but with additional commentary from recent commentary. I just recorded the first episode today of Emissary. One kicker will be doing an episode. It will be taking turns, and you should check that out. We also have this voicemail episode. Periodically, we'll be putting that on the the Art Rules of Acquisition stream. Also, I'm doing a live stream with the patrons, uh, a roundtable discussion of the next generation episode sub rosa so uh that will be a live google (laughs) hangout where our patrons can or we're gonna talk about that episode and that the audio from that will be put on the rules of acquisition too and all future patreon roundtables will be put on the stream as well so lots to look forward to on the rules of acquisition podcast stream so yeah yeah keep sub rosa is that Bev fucks a ghost candle. That's exactly what that is, my friend. Uh, <laughs> so when, when, when is, uh, when's the date again? Uh, I'm going to be doing that September 22nd, and of course the co-hosts are more than welcome. You two are more than welcome to join the roundtable discussion. <laughs> no, I was like, I think I might. I, that might be I just fun, didn't want to sign you up for any additional trek that you. Yeah, you know. I mean, I yeah, I my life has changed. Yes, it has changed. We but, have more non-trek projects coming down the pike, and the rules of acquisition stream will keep you updated on those mm-hmm. as well. We're excited about Discovery coming out, too. Walter Mosley was just hired <laughs> with the writing staff. He's a great writer. Oh, yeah. Uh, when are we recording this? <laughs> uh, nothing's happened with Walter Mosley. Something <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, has. But, yeah, that's. I'm pretty excited about the remix. Listening back on what we recorded in, in the fall of 2015 uh, was a lot of fun. I think that the guys, I think when you guys... You know, do your episodes. I think you're gonna have a lot of fun with it, and I think the okay. audience is gonna enjoy the additional perspective and commentary <laughs> to each podcast. And just episode. be clear, we're not rewatching the episode. We're just no. Re- we're just listening to the podcast. We are listening to the podcast and then updating you with information <laughs> and commentary and perspective. 
Now, now listen here. I might rewatch the episode. I won't. I might rewatch the episode. I will not. I'm. I. I could, but yeah. Oh, I bet. I think you hear me over four microphones over the course of this show. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, that's oh. the kind of stuff that we're gonna we're gonna unpack every week on the uh-huh. rules of acquisition remix. Just how much have changed? Uh, yeah. What we got wrong? How we feel differently? Yeah. Um, how how we've been radicalized in what, yeah. in which ways we've been radicalized in the last uh, four years? Yes. Yeah, because it stretches from the fall of two thousand. Yeah, it was. You know, the show went from the fall of two thousand fifteen when we first because it, it originally posted the first episode in yeah. February two thousand sixteen. Right. But we had banked. We had. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit inside baseball for for our audience. We had banked weeks and weeks and weeks of podcast episodes ahead of time for production schedule reasons so we had we've been doing this for four years so yeah (laughs) (laughs) and what a four years it's been guys yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there was a yeah there's a it's a it it, it almost that's an interesting sort of snapshot in itself Mm -hmm. oh the first episode wade's tolerance for us is just so high <laughs> he sounds like a man who hasn't been ground down to a nub. Yeah, remember I, when I still liked you guys? Yeah, that's when he's like, it's no, the, it's 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 hilarious because he's like, you know, why did I want to do a Star Trek podcast just to hang out with my friends? That's what he says. I almost I almost like start got choked up when he said that. I felt so bad. That's still true. So yeah, so there's a lot to look forward to with the remix. I think. The the old fans will have fun listening to it, and it'll be a good way for uh, new people who are new to the podcast to get to know us and uh, yeah. where we are today. Anyway, mm-hmm. on with the voicemails. I'm sorry. No, it could also limit other the the random email voicemail we get. It's just like you were wrong about something in season two, and I'm like, probably, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. could eliminate a lot of that. Yeah, speak- and we'll continue to do voicemails. If we get yeah. I hey, if we get oh, a, yeah. a season two, if a new listener has an opinion on something we said three years ago about <laughs> a deep space sign, leave a voicemail. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do these voice we'll push it on the stream. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Yeah, because we're gonna do some of that here. I mean, I don't know if we have any season twos, but we've got you know, it's been a while since we've done a voicemail episode, so these hmm. This one, for instance, y'all ready to jump in? I am. Yeah, hit it. All right, this is going all the way back to Valiant, I believe. Uh, Ben from the UK. Hi, this is Ben from Sheffield in the UK. So I only found your podcast a few months ago, but I've been listening to at least an episode every day, and I'm almost caught up. The last one I listened to was Valiant, and... I had to drop you a message because it pissed me off more than I think any <laughs> other one you've done. I'm not sure why that was because you've done a lot of episodes that have pissed me off, but maybe this is just one that just rubbed me the wrong way. So I'll try and make this not too long. Basically, I think you seem to have missed the entire point of the episode of Valiant. Um, or at least your point is completely different to my understand it. This episode is not about uh, not about the military or mili- military attitudes. It's about what would happen to a group of young, naive cadets if they were stuck behind enemy lines and had to had to for, had to deal with the situation and that's it it's um it's about how young people are naive and have this view of war and duty that's simplistic and if they were you know put in charge of a warship they would inevitably see things as though you know that it was their job to fight bad it, you know they are they need to fight the good fight and I think the whole point is that without experience, they don't understand the the captain or the 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 uh, command crew would not understand that you need to look after your crew as much as you have a duty to complete your mission, and that you know, and uh, I'm trying to not trail off too much, but basically, you asked at one point, you know, why was he a bad captain? And my response to bit to that would be, well, because he was twenty years old. You know, there was there's no way that he was ever going to be a good captain. And if you had put, you know, 
a hundred different 20 year old captains into the same situation, probably like 97 or 98 would have done the same thing as he did. It's just, there's, there's no way around that. It's this, it was just a tragedy of these people who, of these young cadets who were put in a situation where they were never going to win. And uh, I think there's a lot of problems with the episode and the whole setup is slightly ridiculous of them traveling the Federation. I agree with that. It's an episode that I loved when I watched it as, as a 16 year as a 16 year old. And then as I rewatch it again and again, I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I, I see there's problems. There's, there's plenty of problems. The acting is not good. And, but I, I, I think I understand the point of the episode. I understand the themes. And I think the whole thing, the fact that Nog just integrated into this crew so quickly is just there to show you how how young people would react and how even Nog, who was only there for a few days, you know, believed in the captain. Well, you know, of course he believes in the captain because he... He, he's young and naive and a bit stupid and this is what's going to happen but anyway I'm going to stop now and you know I do enjoy these these episodes I do but Valiant that was an annoying one for me okay cheers bye so Valiant was just the was just about the folly of youth <laughs> I, yeah Ben knows what it's about I don't remember yeah know. no I think that uh, if I remember correctly I, I think it it, some of this was said by me, I know, this critique of it was that I didn't understand, sort of. And what I was asking was that I think I was trying to make a, a much bigger point about Star Trek in general and about the Federation, where you, you're supposed to see an organization that would work differently. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I was saying is where it highlights all of these ways that these cadets went wrong. And I was just trying to show that it sort of highlighted how they were just showing them work as any military organization would work. And in a way that's shrinking what we know and what's special about Star Trek. And it goes back to that, do we Man, look at it as this, that Any chance that they could yeah. get. <laughs> well, they also expanded it And so, it yeah, we go back to that. Are you, are you showing us an aspirational organization or an ap- organization that's just as corrupt and reflects the corruption of our current sort of system and, and I mean that that I think was what we were speaking to but I get on the surface level the story made sense in that regard that they were just kids and doing you know reacting as unseasoned people would do in a, in the world I was just showing that like this was a place where you could show that the federation did work differently right uh fundamentally right. but I I I mean I I don't I thought my argument was that the Federation is supposed to be, but these kids are dumb and fuck them. I, well, that's his no, point. Yeah, that, I don't I don't remember that, that might, captain maybe was hooked I'm, on trucker speed and power, so mm-hmm. it's not like he's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I, don't I was saying it. But I, I guess I was trying to make the point that how incentives got him to where he was, and the system incentivized him to get uh, there. Okay, so. Everything that he did that was crazy and insane, from sacrificing the ship at the it was end, a systematic problem, not a fall. It was just abuse. a product of. It was the product of the system that they've shown you wanted that that was shown glory in the show, like right. the the way the Federation sort of moves its hierarchy up. Well, the kid was incentivized by all of those things, and that's what I was trying to say. Is like, what did he do wrong? I mean, by his training what did he do wrong because it showed you know well, i think what just, he he did wrong was choosing to stay out there instead of like rep, like like yeah. just making the trip back to right, yeah, right. school yeah. yeah but in another story that could be a in literally in the first star trek movie uh that could be like a show of heroism and valor yeah to, to not step yeah. down yeah, to, to his point any 20 year old would would be mm-hmm. an awful captain and then they they made yeah. a twenty-year-old a cap- yeah, Like they yeah. give Captain Kirk mm-hmm. the ship, r- literally right out of school. Like the, he yeah. woke up that morning yeah, yeah. and it was a school day, and he <laughs> went to bed that night. The captain of a sh- Enterprise. So yeah, yeah. So it's just that sort of uh, that. that I think was, the stories it, stories could do whatever you whatever you mm-hmm. want. And the story yeah. that he wanted to see was the story of the folly of youth, and mm-hmm. Star Trek two thousand nine was a story about. You know, a young kid being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's the same 
story up to the end, you know, or right. from a certain point of view. Sure. So. sure. All right. And, yeah. But good call, and I, you know, and, yeah, and, it was a good call, I, and, and yeah, we don't and, mind. We're we're not. We don't mind hearing that you we piss you off. Well, yeah, no, we love hearing that. I I think mm-hmm. I agree with everything. Well, at least it elicits ben a said, feeling. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if I don't remember. Um, no, thanks again. Yeah, I just like hearing from uh, the people from across the pond. <laughs> Yeah, we we like international. Uh, yeah, I just I just like their accents. Sorry, I have whatever. And he would just like to point out that you have a lovely film industry in your own country. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Well, we got this one from Barry asking when we're doing season seven. We can just skip that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good call. Then, yeah. God bless you, Wade. <laughs> yeah, we. I maybe made them listen to that before, and and this time I'm smarter. And now, so we have Jeffrey from Virginia. Let's listen to him. Birds of Virginia flying within you. R.I.P. <laughs> Dayburn. Oh shit! Born one out. Hey, this is Jeffrey calling from Virginia again. Um, I'm the guy who hates war. Um, and I was just calling about Esri Dax. You all had another great episode last time. Um, I love listening to you all every week. Um, I just wanted to call in to talk about Esri um, being a therapist. Um, I'm training to be a therapist now um, through social work, but you all were, were right that there's a difference between all the different kinds. Um, but just you all got it right. Psychiatrists prescribe meds. Psychologists sometimes do therapy, but mostly do like a bunch of testing. Social workers do therapy. There's like LPCs, um, licensed marriage and family therapists. There's lots of different things, and we all just do therapy. Um, but yeah, so there's a few different ethics violations in this episode. Um, like I said, I'm in a program now, and we're that's like the first thing you go over. Um, the biggest one was Cisco getting her promoted, like you all said. Um, she, it's unethical for him to put somebody in a position where they haven't had the training, just like a doctor who hasn't finished med school or anything else. Like she (laughs) hasn't seemed to me like she hadn't finished her therapist training. And also if he knows she's going to be bad and she tells him she's going to be bad, he shouldn't put her in a position where she's going to fail patients and maybe cause more harm. Um, the other thing that I've just been interested since counselor Troy was on, is how they can basically live and be friends with all of their patients. Like in our classes also, they just tell us, you can't be friends with the patients. You shouldn't see them outside of therapy hours. Obviously, you can't sleep with them. Um, <laughs> but Troy and Esri just live with them and they're friends. So they go to sessions, they hear really personal things, and then they're back on the bridge dealing with them as colleagues, which is just really... Um, it's called dual roles and it's just really unethical because how can they treat these people knowing all of this stuff? Sorry, how can they treat them knowing them as friends and also how can they go back on the bridge and just being friends with them and getting lunch knowing also all of this stuff about their childhood? Um, and I think you all had a conversation a while back about like therapy on TV and obviously it's just so that they can have characters talk about their feelings because that's easier than doing voiceovers or showing it um, to their actions. But this episode, Esri actually, I mean, yeah, she sucks, but she did a good job approaching um, Garrick with something about his childhood. And I know that's um, a cliche, but it actually is related to how your brain works as you um, develop your kind of inner brain, your limbic system has, is on, is in control. Oh, and unfortunately the asshole voicemail cut him off, but the rest of that, that's a very, very good call. Yes. That's a solid gold. Yeah. Yeah. Gold star call right there. For all the, that Star Trek tries to be all ethical and everything, their ethics are fucked up when it comes to, to the medical professions of any sort. It's a really good point he makes about Deanna Troy, and um, <laughs> yeah. I've, I'd heard this voicemail before. So, uh, like, I've been thinking about it basically 
I, I've thought of it several times since. It's like, what a weird sort of predicament that that, <laughs> that, that was just that. I mean, she was sleeping with Riker, and there would be <laughs> right? scenes where I think he's like on the couch with her, right? Like, you, like it's yeah. all and so Barclay weird. was like, "I want to fuck you," and it wasn't. No, I'm, I'm just not into you. Is mm-hmm. what the answer. Like, I'm, you're my fucking patient. That is, yeah, I shouldn't even be friends with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, and so like it's all very, I don't know, it, 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 naive, I guess, or a naive representation of it. And when you think it's one of those things where you think about it, it breaks hard. You know, you're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. just yeah. And then I, 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 I thought of a fix for it, which is that oh. they could keep trying to come to her because she's there as an advisor to Picard. Right. She's not there to be anybody's personal therapist and help them personally. She's yes. there to help the card navigate. She, is. she, she, she says kinda, several times that my door yeah. is open to you. And yeah. she no, has know, scheduled but sessions. Isn't she, where she, she, no, she initially scheduled. Roddenberry brought her on, I oh, think, yeah. for like. Initially. But like, she's definitely. She's, yeah. But then the writers are like, wouldn't it be cool if she had a couch and she had appointments? Yes. And stuff? No, no, no. Yeah, no. yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. But when she was brought on, she was brought on that role. My thing is, is that they should make it a reoccurring thing where people keep coming to her with their problems. And then she always just says, I'm not your therapist. Go speak to Barbara. Barbara's great. She'll help you out. And they're like, and then they just keep talking. (laughs) And then they just, and you have the conversation that you needed to have for the story purposes anyway. Right. But at least it's like an ongoing nuisance. And at least it gives the impression that she's aware that there's an ethical violation there at least i'm i'm here to talk to uh poor representations of aliens that are just like black african people and tribal make uh, (laughs) season one's a mess (laughs) yeah so uh yeah so yeah so that's where i I, that's very interesting good call yes all right and here we got one from eric our old high school friend eric Eric Todd? <laughs> yeah, a different Eric. An old friend of the pod we've heard from before. Oh, Eric. Oh, from Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. On oh, everybody's favorite baseball episode. Nobody can dispute that they love this one. Oh, my God. Oh, I remember, I've heard this call, too. Yeah. Ethnoship. <laughs> oh, my God. Hello out there in podcast land. This is Eric from Pennsylvania at Ariel Base on the Twitter machine on the rare occasions that I use that, or at ariel.base on Instagram, which I use a lot more often. Anyway, calling in response to Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, as well as, if I'm being honest, like most of season six. So look, James, I'm not here to tell you to get your head right, (laughs) and I'm not here to rage quit the show. I still tune in excitedly every week, because every week the pod gives some interesting perspective and some new way of looking at an episode that never would have occurred to me. And I find that really enhances my enjoyment of Deep Space Nine and, you know, deepens my love of this show. And I think that's really cool. So I'm still here. But, but maybe spend an afternoon, listen to a few episodes from season six of the ROA, And watch a few YouTube videos that call themselves takedowns of The Last Jedi and (laughs) that wank themselves off for 20 minutes about how the Ryan Johnson broke the character of Luke Skywalker and betrayed the fan base because blah, 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 blah. And just, you know, just ponder how different or not different one of those things sounds from the other. Maybe. Because <laughs> here's the thing. At the end of the day, with with videos like that, I can't always say that I factually disagree with every point that they make, but it's not about the facts of X, Y, or Z. It's about how much weight you give X, Y, or Z, how much it bothers you. Uh, you know, I, can ag- I might agree that something in The Last Jedi or in an episode of Deep Space Nine is dumb, but still love it and still think that it's adorable and sweet when Worf and Dax get married and that that episode makes my heart feel warm and that I'm happy to watch it again and again. And that's okay. Two people don't always have to be bothered the same amount by the same thing. And you can point out the thing that bothered you, and if it didn't bother Wade as much, then that's just 
the situation. It didn't bother him as much. You don't have to yell at him and tell him not to yell <laughs> until it also bothers him because nothing's really gained by that. I don't tune in to the ROA to see if this week James can finally convince Wade to stop liking Deep Space Nine. I tune in to hear three different perspectives on lots of different things about an episode, not a half-hour fight about one thing and then a rewatch meter. So, I don't know. That's my perspective, and that's all I got for right now. Still listening, still enjoying, just... Just Peldar Joy, you fucking assholes. <laughs> okay, the big difference between the last Jedi vi- videos and James on this show is people have these perspectives on the last Jedi and they need to get them out and they have an agenda. Okay, that's <laughs> I just, what I just want to blow the doors off the, the internet and announce. Finally revealed the world to the world that James is Doomcock. Mm. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the quartering—that's the guy. No, and my point is, is that James is unpacking. A lot of the times, James is unpacking how he feels about a show, like live as the show unfolds. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't come with a set agenda against anything. He's just trying to reconcile what he saw with what he thinks live in real time with us. Mm. So that's the difference between the two. And I'll admit... One of, one of the many yeah. differences between the two. <laughs> <It does. laughs> and I'll admit specifically on that episode, I feel like on the on the Take Me Out to the Ball Game episode, like, that was just an idea that was, that we, you know, like, we were, you know, it was a, let's talk about this for three minutes thing. <laughs> but I felt like our responses to each other it got derailed and it was it was uh yeah it It got derailed in an organic way though we didn't plan on that it was a small thing the ethno ship was a small thing that i thought was slightly (laughs) weird that wade could not let go i didn't mean for us to unpack it for for half an hour none of us planned that that just went off the rails organically because we were all trying to reconcile the degree to which that was necessary. Yes. And I understand our audience's <laughs> reaction to that, you know, not being what they tuned in for. They didn't want to hear a half hour debate on whether or not Starfleet should have sanctioned ethnoships. However, we got, they didn't want that, but we got to the bottom of it and now they know how we feel about it. So that's the difference between. James and the Last Jedi nerds. Yeah, and he's not racist or sexist or misogynistic or homophobic. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know, yeah, yeah, and I love the last love, love, love. And we all like, love the Last Jedi. The Last yes, Jedi we... may be my favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> That's the oh, le- oh I, most I, I, mo- yes. I am yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. I watched the Last Jedi for the first time since I saw it in the theater like uh, last week with my son or whatever, and I texted you guys that we don't mm-hmm. deserve yeah. the Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's so amazing. It's so amazing. But no, I. I I, I yes yes um I I have since uh I, I try to approach things differently now I I think that sometimes and that was one of them where I, I, I it felt like Wade wasn't getting my point he could even like like you know like, oh I just didn't agree with your point but I, that's not <laughs> what it seemed <laughs> like so I, I kept going but uh, uh-huh. I, I, I I I'm I'm working. <laughs> so, so am I. We're we're in couples therapy now. And, um, no, he was just trying to like if Wade didn't seem to understand where James was coming from, he would he's constantly recalibrating recal- and reframing what he means. Yeah. And but I get that it's it is a uh, it is. It, All right. I, yeah. 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 Next voicemail. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Here we go. We got Warren from Seattle. Ooh. Very Ooh. nice. Gentlemen, Warren from Seattle here again to uh, check in with you about uh, ethnoship because uh, we all want to talk about ethnoship more. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No one wants to hear that shit. You said it. Um, no, what I'm really calling about is the siege of uh, AR-558 
And um, I'm going to do something really wild here. I'm actually going to um, rail on Bashir, or at least the writing of Bashir, a little bit, because uh, something stuck with me when I watched this the last time. Um, it seems kind of weird that following this episode, and I don't mean to get into spoiler territory too much, but nothing really changes for Bashir and O'Brien in terms of their sort of hollow, sweet uh, suicide fantasies. Following this episode, it stands to reason that now that Bashir has actually been in a life-and-death sort of um, – uh, I don't know, one against a hundred sort of siege situation or, you know, a small group against a much larger group that uh, he might not want to keep fantasizing about all of these, you know, Battle of Alamo or the Battle of Thermopylae or all these little crazy situations that uh, him and, and O'Brien are jumping into the Hollow Suite to uh, sort of have their little suicide fantasies about, which I always thought was kind of fun. Uh, I never minded it, and I, I still don't really mind it, but it seems like kind of a hole in the, the writer's room in that this would have been a great opportunity for him to maybe go back to Deep Space Nine and say, hey there, Miles, uh, I actually don't want to do the Alamo again because uh, I actually almost did die because uh, I was at number 10 to 1, and that's not really very fun, and... I've kind of seen the other side of that now, and uh, fuck that. Let's go, you know, I don't know, do some other weird historical uh, reenactment. But, um, you know, uh, I think you guys have covered really well that the writers uh, haven't really thought the sheer out all that well. And when they do have a really good idea, they don't follow up on it or even realize it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's me, um, you know, throwing you guys a bone, a well-deserved bone in terms of a, uh, a Bashir deficiency because, uh, yeah, I – not even I can argue that one away. I think it was a really bad missed opportunity and that this should have been the, the basis for Bashir to grow a little bit. Um, and as I recall in season seven, that uh, simply doesn't happen, at least as it relates to this. So <laughs> let me know what you think. Um, and yeah, keep doing what you do. We're getting to the end of this and uh, it's been fun going along this uh, whole journey with you guys. And I've, I've been there from the beginning. So uh, kudos to all the hard work and talk to you soon. Bye. And Warren has been historically a Bashir booster, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he was the one that that. Yeah, he was the boost. That's most of his calls have. Yeah, most of his calls have been on on that. And I, I will go back and I'll just like, you know, I'll refer back to sort of my final thoughts about uh, Iris Stephen Bear's influence and and sort of his peccadilloes and what he's not interested in. You know, and I think that like those kinds of things to make Bashir a more deeper three dimensional person that just wasn't what he was interested in doing with that character or or, or many of the other three dimensional characters wasn't what his strong suit it's what you're saying yeah because yeah. I don't know about that Quark episode, but no, you're right. You know, here's what it is. What's what's frustrating is that. What's the most frustrating thing about this show is the lack of clear vision in the creators. Mm-hmm. When things feel patchwork and haphazard, you realize it as an audience. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching something with like such a strong, clear vision, you realize it with as an audience member. And this this show does not have a strong, clear vision. It has uh. it's tied to the whims of its creator. If the if the creator feels like doing shenanigans episodes, that's what gets done. If See, they I, do... I think it has a stronger vision than y'all do. I and I'm less inclined to lay it all on one creator, even if the showrunner. Uh, I well, agree. I, I agree that the showrunner is where the buck stops. But mm-hmm. I think I've talked a lot about how I see this as like a triumph over everything that they did get done. I want to see the good in that, and then just like fighting with production and doing everything different that. Star Trek hadn't done before. I see that as a struggle. Okay, well, I'm talking about other th- specifically characters, yeah. though. Well, yeah, Bashir they, sucks. They didn't have a clear vision for their characters. Bashir sucks, And their yeah. characters mm-hmm. were the show. Yeah. Yeah. And the stories that they wanted to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I and I, and I, I do think, I, you know, I just think, I think that does lie at the feet of Iris Stephen Bayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they didn't do more... You could say, "Oh, I wish if he were a different showrunner, they might have." But yeah, who and, was I mean, the, who wrote the show bible for this? I've read the show bible. Michael Pillar. Michael Pillar. Michael Pillar. So he yeah. created all these. Michael Pillar actually created yeah. these characters. Yes. Yeah. And why didn't he get to see more of that through? He moved on to another Star Trek, and he's he was. I think he was sickly. 
I think he was sickly, wasn't he? He was poorly. He was at one point, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he probably had to step down too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they are playing with the toys that other people made. So it, it and it's and it's but it's like it's part of a fucking franchise, not as a juggernaut as like Marvel is today, but they're doing they're playing with Star Trek stuff, so they're so there's certain expectation of what you're doing with that, and then there's a lot of uh back and forth. You know, but yeah, ultimately, if hmm. like Robert hmm. Hewitt Wolf had stayed on, or I mean, he gets the, I mean, I'll say he gets the, he gets the claim for the show, he gets the blame for the show. I mean, there's a documentary about Deep Space Nine that just came out this year, and who's on the yes. center of the poster? Like, like I said, like I said, the buck does ultimately stop with him, and he wants to take as much credit as he can, and you know, to a certain amount, he's due. But also, it's mm-hmm. you don't get to be, you didn't get to be an all tour in 1998. With your that, show, with yeah, your that's show, that, that's, yeah. that's a great. That is a great point. No, I, I do, but I mean, you do. But it seems like it's the old saying that success has many fathers, and or you know, yeah, yeah. failure, you know. No one told him to do the blockbuster thing that they did in seven, in season seven, or was it season? Yeah, that was season seven. The blockbuster, like he could have said, "Hey guys, let's come up with original stories." Oh, the blockbuster! Let I watched this video last night. Let's do that show. Yes, yeah, okay. yes, yeah. Oh, so. you meant Blockbuster Video? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, sorry. I, I made the point. It seems like they're browsing through a Blockbuster Video and go, that one, uh, yeah. and that one, yeah. and that one. We'll do these. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that voicemail was about Bashir, right? He blows. Sure. Okay, I'll, I can agree yeah. with you guys on that. Yeah, I was just referring back to my final thoughts towards Iris Stephen Bear, but... Yes. Yeah. We, we then we right. then we re then we rerun over my final thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Bear. Well, that's what. Sorry. I'd, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the podcast if and I'm not jumping on your dick about something? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, thanks, Warren. <laughs> I can't <laughs> call him my right. final thoughts when I have Stephen Bear anymore. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll probably get your final thoughts. Um, I have Stephen Bear, and I'll jump in front of you like at least five more times before we're done with this. <laughs> yes. All right, uh, here we got one from Jackie from New Orleans. Hey, guys, this is Jackie from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, my last voicemail got cut off. Apparently, I am too long-winded, so let me try to summarize. Apparently, I'm more passionate about this than I than I originally thought. Um, I'm super far behind. I just listened to the Times Orphan episode, so you guys, I'm sure, no longer care or even possibly remember what you talked about. But as a child and adolescent psych nurse, I just had to call in and support Wade that he was absolutely correct in his assessment that the behavior that Molly was showing would make total sense for somebody who didn't have any receptive communication with other sentient beings. Um, and, and it is actually pretty similar to solitary confinement in that you can talk to yourself all you want, but there are t- the brain processes speaking and receiving voice uh, audible messages differently. And if you do not hear from another person, do not process different information, that part of your brain will atrophy and it will do so actually relatively quickly. So it's not outside their own possibility at all that Molly would have lost her her verbal capacity or a lot of it. Um, and if you guys want examples of feral children, you can stick it in Wikipedia. I mean, there's tons of them. If you want a really horrifying read about a feral child, Jeannie in California is, is her father essentially isolated her in a room from the age of 20 months until she was in her early teens and, and she was severely fucked up. Um, also to continue my pro Wade voicemail, uh, Molly hitting her head on the bars is another thing that makes total and complete sense. I mean, she has spent all this time not having any real stimulation and then she gets, she's in a bar and she's, there's, there's foreign people to her. And so it, it makes, you know, there, there's so many reasons why she would hit her head. I mean, just briefly, you look at people with autism disorders and you see them causing themselves pain and it's either because they're overstimulated or understimulated. Either they need, in either case, they need something to focus on either because there's not enough going on 
or there's too much going on. And whereas hitting yourself when there's too much going on might seem counterintuitive, think about when you stub your toe and it hurts so bad you can't think of anything else. So it is actually a pretty effective tool. Um, I got to say, this episode was terrible for a lot of things. But what really pissed me off was that there was a great opportunity that was missed to look at mental health in the 23rd century, you know, that that there should have been some kind of medicine or advanced counseling. Oh, damn it. Wait. Damn it. Voicemail. This is Jackie from New Orleans, Louisiana, for a third time. I just had one word left. I just need to finish my sentence. Institution. Molly should never have been, that should never been an option for Molly to be in an institution. If you give a shit as to why, Listen to my previous two voicemails. Um, I think you guys make a great and entertaining podcast that I really enjoy. And um got some long road trips coming up, so I'm looking forward to fully catching up to you guys on the series. And who knows? Maybe somebody else called in and already bitched about this. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye. That was an epic. See, those are my favorite kind of voicemails yeah. where they tell me that I'm right about everything mm. now. <laughs> well, okay, so let's look at the facts. But also, but she's it, also an expert, so thanks again, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. That well, was yes, A-plus gold star call. Well, let's look at the facts. What she said I said is clearly wrong. Oh. And I can't be wrong. So clearly it's her understanding of what I said. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, no, very quickly after that episode airs. Uh, I may even looked it up afterwards. But yes, I, I was very, very wrong. And I was wrong, you wrong, wrong. And so it's not a mistake if you don't learn something. And I learned quite a bit, and especially from your call. So thank you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That was... That was great, Jackie. Yes. Yeah, that was... I don't know what else to add. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's yeah. it. It's very interesting. And I, that that was... I Viewing it differently then, I, 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 I was pretty sour on that whole season. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I was pretty grumpy yeah. at that point. I mean, we can all agree that was a garbage episode. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 We, <laughs> yeah. All right, here we have Kennedy from New York. The, the host of The Five on Fox? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, from Kennedy, from MTV. Alternative, alternative Nation? Yep, that one. Uh, the the Lisa Loeb-looking girl. Remember Lisa Loeb? <laughs> Gen Zers? I do remember uh, Lisa Loeb. Probably more than you remember Kennedy. All right, anyway. She was the Juliana Hatfield-looking girl. <laughs> right, with glasses. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, this is Kennedy from New York. Uh, really love the podcast. Uh, I actually have a confession making that is I did not find out about this until like a month ago. So I've been binging just the rules of acquisition stuff. I actually got up to season four before I realized how far ahead you guys were. So I just skipped ahead a little bit to listen to you guys talk about my favorite, uh, Cisco <laughs> ball in the, in the air moment <laughs> at the casino. But, um, I did have some thoughts on the, last episode which is Bashir plays a real spy and finds out it's not really his business or role and um I agree with you guys when you say about section 31 and their motives but when I think about section 31 I kind of think about them the same way that uh the movie uh Firefly you know with Nathan Fillion and Chitwell Ejiofor um, in that movie, like, Chitwell Ejiofor is, like, this mm. agent for the government, and they're like, oh, you're a monster, and he's like, you're damn right I'm a monster. I'm not going to live in the promised land. I'm going to be on the outside looking in, but that's my goal. That's my lot in life, and I'm cool with it. Like, I think Section 31, I think there are plenty of people in there who do believe that, hey, this is a goal that we want, but they also believe that there's no way that it can be achieved without doing dirty pool and being not only reactive, but proactive and firing the first shot or causing people to be murdered and stuff like that. So I, I don't necessarily agree with Section 31, but I kind of do understand because... You know, you look at the Klingons, 
you know, back in season four, they tried to have Worf sent away to them to be tried and murdered for a crime he didn't commit. And, you know, the Romulans have several times tried to precipitate civil wars for their own goal. So, you know, in this galaxy where the Federation is doing their best and trying to be good and wholesome, when everybody else isn't doing that same thing, it kind of feels like Section 31 is just like they're the realist in the room to the idealist. And even though they may go a little bit too far, they kind of have somewhat of a point where it's just like at the end of the day, it's more important to protect the people than it is to protect the ideals because if there are no people around, the ideal dies with it. But, um, yeah. All right. Uh, y'all want to fight about section 31 some more? (laughs) (laughs) Um, do I have some books for you? If you like section 31, (laughs) Oh shit! (laughs) how many of that, uh, 500 books that you got were, uh, section 31 books. I, for those of you who don't know, I uh, I went to the public library, and I always look at the donated bookshelf to see what you can buy for you know uh, paperback. Mass paperbacks are a quarter, paperbacks are fifty cents, and hardbacks are a dollar. And uh, you know you could find used books there every once in a while that people donated. Well, somebody donated their entire Star Trek book collection, and the librarian was putting them on the shelf. And I walked up and I said, oh, somebody donated the, their entire Star Trek book collection? She's like, yeah, they're only a quarter. Get yourself a couple. And I said, I will. And then I said, I'll take them all. <laughs> 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 and the look on her face, she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, they're only a quarter. I spent, there's 120 books. I spent $30. Hugh has the weirdest retail therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, you sent me... Like all the Titan series in there, said, and you sent me duplicates. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize because I look at yeah. So yeah, I do. Yeah, so I have there. There's four books called Section Thirty One, and they each place take place in a different timeline. Kirk's on the cover of one. Uh, Bashir's on the cover of one. Data's on the cover of one. <laughs> you get the picture. Seven of Nines on the cover of one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. Um, if you like Section 31, I don't know what to tell you. You like looking at stories where they justify dark pragmatism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. saying... The dream that of the Federation is that they don't... You hope they don't need it, actually. That's well, my whole thing with Section 31. It's well, like, he was framing it. You can argue that it's necessary, but like the, the point of view characters of your story are fighting against it. And maybe... Maybe that's an aberration that the Federation could still exist without it, even though it did all this stuff that they will say is necessary. And your grimdark writers, I bet your odds, Kurtzman will want to tell you that, yes, it was necessary for the Federation to exist, and I'm going to make a show about it. It's going to be stupid. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, you know he, the way he framed it in his voicemail specifically was, yeah, you either have the ideas, ideals or you have the people. And I sort of reject that. That's the mm-hmm. you, then you're buying into the dark pragmatism that they're selling. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not buy into that too. And, and then once you, yeah. So if you don't, if you don't buy into that premise altogether, but if you do, then and that's an entertaining story idea for you. Then mm. I, I don't begrudge that to you. I yeah. just that's not why I watch Star Trek. Right. Yeah, and I think that's where we keep coming back to is it seems like all of these decisions may bring Star Trek into a more realistic realm, but it also just brings it into the realm of all the other stories. Right. What made it unique was this aspirational groundwork. Yeah. I can, like, I guess I can enjoy a Section 31 story to the extent that you can say it's a darker impulse of the Federation, but once you say it's necessary for the Federation, then I don't like it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't like I don't like Section 31 as a premise that is necessary for the existence of the Federation. And that's definitely the viewpoint of whoever's running the show currently, right? Currently, I think so. Well, they don't have a clear enough viewpoint anyway. It's the viewpoint of the of Discovery is whiz bang pal laser space fights, you know, like so they and then they want to and then they'll 
put some code. Well, I mean, if they're going to have a show about them and shit like that, you've got to somehow justification. Yeah, they want to have some coding of deeper thought on it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so probably. I mean, the theme of the show isn't we shouldn't exist, is it? Yeah. I don't know, probably. Not. Yeah. So, so I mean, like <laughs> the theme of the show that I can get behind is that Michelle Yell is awesome. Yeah. But that's as far as I can get. With so yeah, but, and yeah. I I I feel the same way as you. Yeah. And sort of the general mood of me, my venture through this, is the dark pragmatism of the show ratcheted up. My tolerance for the extremes of that. Mm-hmm. You went down, and my, you know, mad, insane personal desire to see something uh, of a world that could progress yeah, yeah. past this shit and, and wanting to see that. Because that was a fundamental element of Star Trek. And then yeah. it was just maybe the wrong time in my life to watch Deep Space Nine. Uh-huh. But I'm definitely, this is where I'm at. Like, yeah, I, I, I think these things bring me down. Don't build me, you know, don't make me enjoy it more. Bring me to some deeper understanding of why people do dark things it just makes the show the same as other shows yeah yeah but uh thanks for the, Is that the last voicemail no um it can be we could do we could do it yeah we, this is an hour long right now we could do another we could do another episode next week and, and put it on the stream we don't have to do one mega episode yeah uh, you know what you're right <laughs> i don't have to be weighed down by the yoke of mm-hmm. this millstone around my neck of doing no i love well, i love hearing no. from everybody it's it's a but but you know what i mean yeah, we, <laughs> we're gonna keep fresh stuff on on the stream let's yeah all right you know oh i'm with you let's not shoot our wives yeah yeah all right perfect uh yeah all right mm-hmm. we well maybe we'll have more so we'll go out. hey wait that was a great voicemail episode do you want to tell people how they can find us I do. Uh, well, they know where to find us here, obviously. <laughs> and But more importantly, you may have heard at the top of the show, like you doing that roundtable discussion for patrons. Patrons, you say, wow, I've never listened to this podcast before. How would I ever know where to go for that? I've never listened to any podcast that says go to Patreon. But I, you, anyways, so that's what you can do. You go to patreon.com slash kickersofelves. And we have hours and hours and hours of content there about so many other things. If you want to leave a voicemail, oh, shit, this was a voicemail episode. Go ahead and do that at uh, 917-408-3898. And um, what else am I forgetting? I'm so jostled and frazzled and sleep deprived. No, well, we've got a new season of Hashish and Superiority coming out, and we'll be announcing the book for that podcast. Oh, shit, yeah. Pretty soon. And we have other projects coming down the pike, so people just need to stay tuned to this podcast stream, and they'll find out new stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I think that, that says it all, or everything that, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't think of. Yeah, so do all the stuff that every podcast wants you to do, and you can still rate and review us and do all the other things. And, uh, yeah, you know the drill. And go to the, check out the Patreon and all the other uh, stuff we're doing. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for listening to a voicemail episode of The Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next time as we talk about other cool things, such as Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, or, or books. For Way James and Hugh, three to beam out. Boop. Dora Tolka Ritri Para. Costa Mojan, come to me. No, no. Well, you know the drill. It's nice to have you back. <laughs>